Converting leads, closing deals, and performing amongst the top salespeople in your industry require more than just talent and experience. Hear from the best as we discuss the proven formulas they use to generate new leads and close deals on the science of business development. Hi, my name is Jen Koffel, and this is the Science of Business Development podcast, and I'm here with my guest, Corey Warfield. And I am so honored to have you here. Thank you so much for coming and spending this time with me. It's good to see you. It's good to see you, too, and I'm delighted to be here with you. I thought we would start off and, and just share how we met, because it's an interesting story. Absolutely. So I was just getting into public speaking a few years ago, and I had helped organize an event, uh, kind of a LinkedIn or linked out, right, a LinkedIn local type thing where we were bringing some amazing speakers in and, and we were, we were going to kind of go through a number of different ways to grow using social media and to develop you know, different strategies that we could implement. And I had a, a friend of mine named Jen, who was one of the speakers. I had asked her to come and she has a book called Move the Ball. And, and so I was excited to see her and, and I'd seen videos of her speak before and I was excited to see her speak. And I saw her walk past the building a few minutes late. And because I was helping put on the event as well as speaking, I ran out to get her and, and I got not one, but two, two gens. <laughs> right. and, and that's where I met you. And, and I thought the two of you were long, were long best of friends. And I didn't know that you were, were coming. And so that's, we, we met outside and I walked you both in and um, then I realized you were speaking and you were the highlight of the weekend. You blew everybody away to kind of talk about how to speak your way into business and just the confidence, not only that you had, but that you told us to all have. I think the people that spoke after you probably did a better job speaking because of your session, right? So it was, that's how we met was both speaking on the same stage and it was great. But afterwards you kind of came up and you found me and you said, I think I could help you a bit. <laughs> Uh, if, if you wouldn't, if, if, if you wouldn't, if, if you're open to it, I'd love, love to, to work with you and, you know, I do coaching and, and these kind of things. Uh, so we, we had a way to get in touch with each other and we did, and you gave me an assessment and you wanted me to come up with my core values. I think that's probably something you do with everyone, but I don't know if anyone's ever asked you to change it for them before. I said, as long as we can call them my core values, then we're good. Yes. Um, so we ended up meeting at Gaslight Coffee, went through my core values. I still have them. I still visit them. Um, it really helped me understand a number of things. And, and I'll admit this, even though it's the business, the business of science, and develop, the science of business development. But you had me realize that I wasn't super into leadership. I like the visionary stuff a little bit more mm -hmm. as well. So those type of form, formulative and formative events in my life that you've been part of, have helped me become kind of the, the not leader that I am today. That's so interesting. And I've often talked, it's like core values isn't a big piece of my work, but it's foundation piece because it, it helps guide decision-making, you know, in what you choose to do, making sure that you're really going to be fulfilled in what you do, like for your work and the direction that you go. So I love that. I usually remember a lot more about that. Like my memory of it was, I felt like, um, we, I came to uh, an event that I was planning to like teach a certain uh, aspect of teach. I was speaking. I think it was I was expecting to talk to younger um, college students, or and and then it turned out that it was a lot of like really awesome business owners. <laughs> and so you know, just that power of I guess um, having your signature talk ready helped me. You know, then I was able to just pivot and, and share. I'm glad that it came across the way it did because honestly, our friendship has become, I mean, I've shared with you many times, you're like my brother, you're like family to me. So it's amazing what 
um, an event, you know, and business could, the people that I could bring into your life. So I'm super grateful for um, our connection and for, I remember, what I remember about that day is you saying to me, I'm going to be your friend. <laughs> you just made a friend. And I was like, okay. Um, so I'm, I spent, and you have been an amazing friend to me. So thank you for everything that you have done in terms of just depositing into my life and how much business wisdom you've shared with me. And, and one of the places I know that I have resisted a lot at my age and I'm 50 and I was one of those people that didn't jump on the social media. Um, you know, uh, I should have got into social media many, many years before and, and you have really um, highlighted for me like how powerful social media is, particularly LinkedIn and how much you've used that um, to grow your businesses. And um, when we think about like your businesses, you have, and maybe we should just start with that. Like, can you share? Like you are uh, so unassuming. You have like the most amazing businesses and you're this like very gentle, quiet, huge giant of a business person. So I'd love if you would just share maybe a little bit about like the type of businesses you have. And then I'd like to circle back and talk about like how you, you've, how you've used LinkedIn um, in particular to really make those connections to, to grow your businesses. Absolutely. And hopefully that's kind of the meat of what we'll talk about. And hopefully we, we give people some actionable ways to grow using social media as well. Um, but so every good entrepreneur has their, their first startup, right, that no one's ever heard of. So I started a company just a couple of years ago called theswirler.com and the Swirler. I'm a certified sommelier, and so on that mm -hmm. site, I, I reviewed about 850 wines. And, you know, if you love this $30 bottle, you might like this $10 bottle if it's from this region and this vintage and talking about the winemakers and the terroir and what it would pair well with and, you know, a lot of the backstory. And um, I, I did a number of hand-drawn wine cartoons for it called Wine Tunes, cool. and I loved the swirler, and we were getting hundreds and then thousands of daily visits to the site. So a lot of people were learning about wine and having fun. I was getting ready to start to figure out how to make money with it. And I had some ideas, but I didn't have a business plan, had no clue what I was doing, didn't have really a technical team. I had a guy that built websites with WordPress, kind of. Um, and we got hacked by by a foreign country, and they changed all the text into their language, and, wow. and they tried to block us out. And my, my co-founder of that, as it were, um, was smart enough to, to figure out that was happening, and he corrected the course and uh, put an extra layer of security on it. And about two weeks later, we got hacked by another country that did pretty much the same thing. Everything mm -hmm. was changing, like windings, and they actually took a bunch of the data that we hadn't published out to the web yet. So I shut it down. I, I My heart wasn't in it. I was working two full-time jobs in restaurants where I'd been for 20 years. And so I kind of recalibrated, um, but I did have the entrepreneurial bug. And so four years ago, we at the restaurant I was still at, um, I'd been there for a number of years and helped open them. We're having some issues around scheduling. I realized that data and technology could be used to properly uh, help schedule for the restaurant industry when you never know when you're working, which means you never know how much money you're going to make. And if you have kids, it can impact childcare and you sure. know all these things. So I started a company with my life savings called Shedwell. It's a planlord schedule. And four years later, we've raised a couple million dollars, 24 employees. We've onboarded some of the bigger national restaurant chains. Now we're also in manufacturing, some municipalities, retail, hotels, casinos, breweries. So, so we've, we've seen some adoption, and it's fun. It's still a challenge. You know, we're still very much a, a scale up, um, still raising some money. Um, but I started another company called Corey Connects, and I love that. Mm -hmm. We're helping people use social media to grow, similarly to what we'll be talking about, but we're building yeah. some cool free automation tools for that. 
we're actually producing a video game as well that's kind of linked to meets Pokemon Go. That's all I can say for the moment. <laughs> um, I started a growth agency, so we have some clients that we're helping grow using social media. Um, I've just hired my first three full-time employees for that, so that's fun. Uh, but then I am a mentor of Founder Institute and Techstars and have helped launch over 100 companies now. So, you know, I'll sit on a number of boards. I have, you know, little bits and pieces of companies all over the world that I believe in, and I do whatever I can to support the founders. You know, I think it's really interesting just to like maybe make it even more real, um, the power of, well, let me just ask you, you know, I know a little bit about your backstory, you know, where you've come and I love that you share on your LinkedIn, like from waiter to, what is your tagline? From waiter to entrepreneur. Entrepreneur. But I mean, you're like an amazing entrepreneur and how much growth you've had and, you know, going from even before that, you know, like the challenges that you had, um, many 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 years ago and your heart for people that are homeless and you're living in Chicago like your backstory of that and then like where you are today like I think some so many people here like look at your companies look at what you're doing right now and all of the amazing connections that you've made I think that what we're going to get into and talk about is going to be part of highlighting like how what the power is there what you keep talking to me about (laughs) you know you got to do this um but I mean, I think there's so much to be shared, even just in terms of, you know, when you were in like dark places in your life and would you, you know, had you believed and known that you would be able to get to where you are today? And like, I think it might be interesting for people to kind of able to see, you know, we talked about values. I mean, we started talking about that and how you've made some changes just since you've learned and got more in touch with what your values are and understanding like how do you want to show up really in your businesses as a visionary versus necessarily like leading so much. Right. Mm-hmm. But then like, there's this other whole backstory of like where you've come from, like even just working all these full-time, you know, all these jobs as a waiter and like to now just four years later, have these amazing businesses and be this incredible influencer on LinkedIn. I think there's something in there that I'd love to like kind of pull out of you. And if you could share, like, what do you think those things are that caused you to, or gave you the ability to like, get to where you are. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the things you're referencing is around the turn of the millennium, I was homeless for a year and a half, living on the streets, eating out of garbages, begging for spare change, mm-hmm. wearing the same outfits for a week at a time, right? So I have seen that. But and I think that's like, I mean, I don't think people would ever imagine, based on what you just said, that that could be your backstory, but it really was your backstory. Mm-hmm. And so I, I often say, and it's not an original quote, but that where attention goes, energy flows. And at that time that I was on the street, that was the reality that I accepted. Mm. And there, there was a dynamic shift where I found myself still homeless, but in a little town in Colorado, living in a garage with another guy and no running water. And I loved it and it was beautiful. And I kind of felt like a tourist and I kind of felt like I belonged there. And Oprah lived there and Tom Cruise lived there. And the town's just a couple thousand people. I mean, this mm. tiny town. And there wasn't much else to do if you didn't have money than to work. So for the first time in a few years, I started working and I washed dishes better than everybody. And then I bust tables better than everybody. And then I watched, you know, was there a moment though, like in that whole like process where you made a decision, like, was there some kind of thought or something that like sparked that significant change? And we haven't ever had this conversation. So I'm really interested in like, if if you have a memory of I'm going to, I'm going to change this situation or how did that all transpire? Was it a slow just small decisions that led to it. So I, I wouldn't say there was a moment or an aha, um, but I was the guy, even when I was homeless, I was often wearing matching outfits and, and you know, I would find ways to make money. I'd live in, in motels mm-hmm. for a week here or there. So I never really had that. I never felt like I was at rock bottom. 
um, I've actually felt closer to rock bottom starting companies now um, with mm. the emotional turmoil and, and being down to your last couple thousand bucks or, or whatever it is. I think at that point, I, I really did not only accept but somewhat choose that life. And I think I glorified it from movies and from songs I had been listening to. And so... Just that it was like free living type yeah, of thing? Yeah. Like, oh, no, okay. No rules, right? Yeah. Um, and for whatever reason, I mean, this is 1999, 2000, but for whatever reason back then, you know, anywhere in the country that I'd go, even if I didn't have money or a place to live, the ladies loved me. So I really, like, I, I was still this personality. I was I was a freestyle rapper back then and had a, an mm, album, so I was right. performing. Yeah. and So I, I think it was a little bit different. You know, I was absolutely, I mean, when I say I was eating out of garbage cans, like, literally, we, we were finding food, you know, wherever we could. Yeah. So it was bad. But I don't think I ever felt that. I, f- I feel like I really mm-hmm. felt like I That's was... so interesting. I almost felt more like a leader <laughs> when I was homeless because <laughs> I had a bunch of people that, you know, would depend on me for yeah. certain things. You were already influencing that and connecting, right? <laughs> well, thank God there wasn't social media back then. Right. I, I don't think I would have had hundreds of thousands of followers. Yeah. Then. But you were making connections and, you know, kind of just like the parts of who you are were showing up in, you know, in even those places. That's that's really amazing. Um you just mentioned too about how like emotionally like like there was a sense of freedom but then like taking on these responsibilities in business and and the emotions that come with business um you want to share a little bit more about like but when when those times do come because you have had some i mean you're on track to you know like i know shedwell which i love um the name shedwell and you want to share a little bit though real quick like where that name came from it's just a play on the word schedule, the the yeah. spelling of it, and about a third of the English-speaking world pronounces it that way anyway, but I just, we have over 100 competitors, and most of them have the word schedule in their name somewhere, and it all sounds so forced or so sterile, or it's just so challenging to say, so I thought something a little simpler, a little bit more fun and different would, would position ourselves as being the, the fun, different way to schedule. Yeah, I love that, but the vision of that company is to be, you know, billion dollars, right, multi-billion dollar company. And yet, you know, you started it with that vision and then you have had to raise money and there are, there has been challenging times, but you know, weirdly it's on track to eventually become what you envision it to be, but it has also had a lot of challenges and, and emotionally, like you just brought up, like there are times where, you know, that tenacity and that, like, is it that you, when you go, when you have found yourself in those places and emotionally it's been hard, is it that you're, do you then take your mind and your thoughts and shift towards like, how do you get through that part? I'm just, I, I think that would be really interesting for people to learn because it is, mo- businesses can be very emotional. They can. And for me, I think a lot of it is meditation and prayer and everybody mm-hmm. has their own releases and, and ways to go internal, but I don't listen to other people mm-hmm. for, for whatever it's worth. That's awesome. I listen to God, right? Yes. And, and I listen to myself and, mm-hmm. right, so I went through an accelerator and a post accelerator with people that have built and sold multi-billion dollar companies and they want to give you mentor whiplash. Everyone has 10 ideas of things you should just be doing differently because it worked for them 10 years ago and maybe they got lucky, maybe it was a different world, maybe they're right and I just don't listen to them. And especially earlier, four years ago, starting the company, I would just take things to prayer and literally come out of there like, nope, <laughs> I get that everybody's saying this, but that's not what I just had put on my heart. So I think probably just being stubborn so far, I think is <laughs> time will tell. But you know, right now we're building a social media component for Shedwell. That was one of my day, day one visions to build like a LinkedIn for shift workers. That's coming along really well. Digitizing the old school brick and mortar temp agency is something that we built all the infrastructure and partnerships for. So that's really awesome. Um, yeah, we, we've been talking to some 
of the companies we think should buy us for billions of dollars and explaining mm-hmm. why. And so he basically, you know, said, well, you say you can do this and this and this and if, if you can and, you know, and, and the world responds well, then you're probably not, you know, not as crazy <laughs> as you might sound. That's what, you know, I was thinking about the number of companies that you have, you know, had so much influence on and wisdom and, you know, just your business acumen. Like, where did all of that come from? Has it also come from within, like listening to the spirit within you and getting wisdom there? Or like, how did you learn so much about, you know, business and, and really particularly, um, you know, I think you're, I mean, quite honestly, you're personally the most um the most amazing ceo that i know like in terms of your your knowledge your wisdom your vision your ability to direct and delegate and lead a team and 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 put amazing teams together and 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 really just have this you have this way of um truly like connecting the right people to the right activities and where did all that come from so I think for me, a big part of it has been a lot of the disappointments that I've seen throughout my life, people that let me down, people that mm-hmm. I had high expectations for, and um, just not wanting to do that to other people, right? Mm-hmm. So whether I'm mentoring somebody or whether they bring me on as a consultant, I now have people that are running Fortune. I don't want to misquote, so I'll call it Fortune 500, but, you know, Fortune less than that. Um, mm-hmm. Companies and senior global leadership roles that pay me money to, to come and ask me questions about right. how to grow and things like that. And then you go on their LinkedIn and they've got, they're holding like four degrees from huge universities and they've got their MBAs and all these things. I dropped out of college after one year in 1997. And it's I'm, I'm certainly not smarter than any of them, but because I do think differently, I think that's what people and, and a lot of the people that come to me now are referral based. This this man or this woman, you know, told me about what you did. You know, and typically for me, it's LinkedIn. It's you know right. just getting people on LinkedIn and and getting them to leverage it. Um, but so people are now coming. Oh, you did such and such for this person. Can you please do it for me as well? Right. And I don't think any of them, you know, were homeless or, or dropped out of college or anything like that. And and not not to compare, everybody's different. But I think people are just mm-hmm. gravitating towards kind of that alternative perspective. Right. You do, you, you do really bring that. And I would agree with that. And so even your approach to LinkedIn, you know, I remember learning, like when you shared with me, you know, that this is, it has been a large commitment, you know, in terms of your time. And I mean, it has definitely paid off, but you want to talk a little bit about like, you know, how you first discover LinkedIn and like, you know, how much time you actually spent really cultivating, um, your, what, all that you've learned and how you've, in the time you've invested in the platform, because I think that's really enlightening too. It was enlightening for me. You know, I, I didn't, had no idea how much, um, you know, investment and time and energy, um, but also like the power that LinkedIn has. So I think that would be awesome to shift and start talking about that because it's such a huge area of your influence and expertise. Yeah, and I should be wearing my Carrie Luxem hat. My friend Carrie Luxem <laughs> owns a lot of Dunkin' Donuts in the city. One of them is just a few blocks from here, and she was the fifth hire at Pop Alley. She started their HR department, but I didn't know her personally, and I was new on LinkedIn about three-ish years ago, and I think they just let people start uploading videos and like mm-hmm. posting actual content. And she's around my age, beautiful woman, blonde, had these videos that would just go crazy. And a lot of them were talking about restaurants and HR and, and it would kind of touch around on labor. So she was speaking my language and there was no one else I could find on the platform that was talking mm-hmm. about labor and restaurants. And her videos went so viral 
that I decided that I wanted to get on her radar. Really, I just wanted to get on her radar to pitch her because I wanted her 36 Dunkin' Donuts you shed wool. <laughs> and so I engaged with her a little bit. That was the first time I engaged with anybody there, and, and there was positive response. I mean, when I comment and like on one of her videos, she'd comment back. So boom, all of a sudden, she knew who I was. Cool. So we start engaging back and forth, and um, I, I reached out and said, I'd love to have a chat with her. She kind of said, what about? And I made the rookie mistake three years ago and said, I want to pitch you my business. I want you as a customer. And she said, no, you know, we're not going to do that. Um, but it seems like you've got a really vivacious personality. It seems like people would really respond, well, maybe you should start doing videos on LinkedIn. God bless her, and I'm, I'm incredibly grateful. And, and now I've probably helped a couple hundred people do their first videos. But so I, I just jumped in, I did it, and the video got, I think, three views and no likes. Um, now my, my team um, has revived that, that first post ever, and it's, it's doing pretty well now, you know, three oh, years fun. later. But um, <laughs> it's interesting. But so I just stayed the course, and I just kept engaging with her and figured, you know, at some point, and I still will, you know, three years later, I will still get Carrie Luxem as, mm-hmm. as a client at some point, but she's become a dear, totally a dear friend. <laughs> um, yeah, we don't have them yet as a client, um, but she's become <laughs> a dear friend and an advocate. Um, but these videos have started to do really well. And so I started to get hundreds of people would follow me every week on the platform. So I started to grow fairly quickly and then that turned into thousands. Um, and my posts started to do better. And, and at some point I had an epiphany or, or a revelation that I felt like I was, I was taking more than I was giving. Cause I would just put something on, on LinkedIn and, and then everyone would spend their time and, and, so I stopped doing videos. I felt really bad. I didn't have the time. I was working, you know, 12, 14, 15 hours a day. I didn't have time to watch a bunch of people's videos. So I just wasn't. But I realized everyone was spending their time on mine. So I stopped it. I felt like that was unfair. If I couldn't watch videos, I couldn't put them out. And I had hundreds of people in the first probably month or something, you know, reaching out saying that they missed my videos, that they love my videos, asking me to do them again. What was your mindset when you were starting off making the videos? Were you talking... Like when you had approached um, that woman initially, it was like, I would like to get your, you know, your business. But then when you were actually doing videos, were you doing videos about Chevel or were you doing videos about just life? Or like, what was your mindset about like creating the video content? Because I think that's really helpful. So for me, it's all about people looking in your eyes, hearing your voice and getting somewhat of a read on your energy and who you are as a person. Um, and so that was it. So I would literally, if I'd had a great day or a bad day, I'd just come on and talk about it. If I was reading a book that I thought was a, a good book for people to know, um, like Traction by Gabriel Weinberg or The Lean Startup um, by Eric Ries, I would just talk about that. And it wasn't so much to teach people anything. It was just to share kind of you know what I was up to. And people really seemed to lean into that. But so when I stopped doing it, people were kind of like, you know, we, we, we miss seeing your life, right? Like that, I didn't realize that people around the world were really paying attention. So I decided to start doing 30 second videos and that was it. And my, my, my theory was I will, if anyone will, will do a 30 second video and put it on LinkedIn, I'll watch it. I, even if there's, that's why you did 30 seconds because you so, believe that I, you would have the time to also reciprocate mm-hmm. and watch 30 seconds. And, and I have. I've watched hundreds, if not thousands of people, mm-hmm. and a lot of people have adopted the, the value in 30 hashtag. But so I started doing 30 second videos, and those are next thing you knew, thousands of people were following me every day. And I had posts getting hundreds of thousands of views, and you know, it hit 20,000 followers, and 50,000, then 100,000. It just keeps kind of doubling. You know, this year I've doubled from 100 to 200 something thousand. When you do uh, the videos, and you, or even initially, or even now, are you are you talking to in your mind? Are you talking to one person? Are you talking to an audience? Or do you like when you think about 
like making that connection? Who are you envisioning you're connecting with or how, how, what are your thoughts around that? So I think for me, I'm talking to myself from the future. Um, Say that again. I think I'm talking to myself from the future. So I love going back and watching my videos from a year or two ago and kind of mm. seeing what I was thinking. And so I think that different perspective. It's like a diary, so, so to speak, for yourself. Yeah, like a like journal. Your life. And, and, and more so just. Um, diary is more of a girl's word, sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm diarying. Diarying. Um, <laughs> Diary of your life. Journaling. Oh, that's so interesting. So you're, you're doing it more like. Um, taking like a record of like what your life is like for yourself to see in the future, Mm -hmm. like where you are right now. Yes. A snapshot. Right. Mm -hmm. But I think also just giving anyone that cares to, it really blew my mind that anyone cared to see what my life was like. But now I think my, my team somewhere around like three to 4 million unique impressions, like different people that have engaged with me and both liked and commented on these values in thirties. So a lot of people around the world and, you know, they're from anywhere from Australia to Pakistan to, to yeah. Malaysia, like all around the world, people are just watching my life and getting to know me a little bit. And so it's not for any of them specifically, and it's certainly not with any agenda, but then I optimize my profile, right? Then I do start doing some things on the stories and on other channels because people now start to follow me on Twitter and things like that, talking a lot about scheduling, fair work week, right? So, so it does become a traction channel. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a combination of just sharing your life and then peppering in those elements of your well, of your business. And Shedwell's my life. Corey Connects is my life. Founder yeah. Institute is my life. Right. So once I start to put in my life, then it becomes it's not salesy to talk about those things that are also what I'm doing because mm-hmm. it's sense. part of your day, part of what yeah. your your thoughts and your yeah that makes a lot of sense. I love that. And when you first started um, like learning all of the algorithms, because there's quite a bit. To, of things that you now know that really helps that traction and that connection, that performance, right? Um, what were, what are some of the key things like when you think about optimizing that really makes a difference? So I find that the algorithm changes pretty often and depending on platform mm-hmm. and you can study computer science and quantum computing and all these things. But at the end of the day, it comes down to two things that are, that in my mind will never change. The first is that any platform and any algorithm is self-serving. It has to be. It wouldn't make sense to code it otherwise. Mm. So if you think of what the algorithm might like, on LinkedIn, it loves to be talked about. So you can post about LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, it loves people that engage with other people because it's more time on site, it's more eyeballs, it's it's servicing ads, which is part of their revenue model. Mm. If I spend eight hours a day on LinkedIn, I'm going to see a thousand ads. So in invariably I'm a thousand times more relevant than someone that logs in for five minutes and sees one ad, right? I, I made sense, them yeah. a thousand times more money. So when I encourage others to do that, think about the snowball. If, if I'm a thousand times more profitable to them and I get a thousand people to try to do what I'm doing, a thousand times a thousand is a million, mm-hmm. right? And like we can become a million times as a small ecosystem. So when you just think about that, how do they make money? Mm-hmm. And what does the algorithm want? Feed me Seymour, right? It's like Little Mm -hmm. Shop of Horrors. It's quite literally, and it's so easy. Mm. It's very transparent. They want to make money. How do they make money? Figure that out. How do you feed that? And that becomes a way to really do it. The other one for me that's the biggest is the law of reciprocity. If I want a thousand likes on a post, I'll go and anymore I don't have to because I have a lot of followers. But like the the theory would be, if I want a thousand likes, I'll go on and like a thousand people's posts. Mm. Yeah, I love that. That's like that whole like approaching business uh, one of my favorite books that I feel foundationally helped me in business and my mind and how I approach business is 
uh, by Bob Berg called The Go-Giver. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, I love that. And just approaching business that way, like how can you give first? And that law applies offline and online, right? (laughs) Everywhere. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. So how has LinkedIn, just talk about the results that it's had. I mean, you obviously have all these people learning about your life and connected with you, but also the, the people you've been able to connect with, right? Like that has been a huge element of like where, why your businesses are where they are, where they are, why your businesses are where they are today is because of the amazing people you've been able to actually find and connect with, right? And have conversation with as because of that platform. And the ones that I've pitched, I'm no longer as close to, and the ones I've never pitched have become good friends. So now I'm friends mm-hmm. with chairman of multi-billion dollar corporations. A lot of them are targets of ours, a president of a national brand that we are moving well forward with, I should say, um, came to me because he became a fan of mine. Um, a couple companies that are household names in most people's houses to some form uh, or fashion the people that either started those companies serving as their chairman or, or as their executive leadership have become friends of mine as well. And I'm very strategic. I find the people that post and I get, you know, I engage with them. Those that don't, I find the posts that they engage with. And so you can just start to position yourself where people are going to see you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just, do you make a, do you make a, like, uh, an, like a wish list of people you'd love to connect with and then just begin to like be intentional or how, how do, how do you approach that? Or is it intuitive or? For me, it's a little bit more intuitive, and I'm sure mm-hmm. I have lists in my mind. I don't, I'm not a big, I'm not as organized as someone that started a scheduling company mm-hmm. might, you know, be outside of my time management. Speaking of which, we're at 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I think for me, it's, it's pretty easy. I, I know who it is that I want, and so, you know, I don't want to use names of people or companies, but one one of the biggest companies um, had a, an executive promoted, and I went and saw that he had never posted a thing on on LinkedIn. He had a fair a fair following, you know, a multiple billion dollar international corporation. Um, he had never posted. I found his executive assistant, but she wasn't very active. When I went to his activity, I saw that every time anybody mentioned him, he was liking and engaging on those posts. So I did a post about him. I then went and engaged in the other thirty posts that people had posted about him recently. They were congratulating him, so he engaged in mine saw me engage in all those, commented on some of my comments congratulating him. And next thing you know, the world thought we were friends. Mm. He reached out to me thanking me for his support. Now it's been about a year. And, you know, we've we've developed a friendship. And, you know, at, at some point that's got to turn into a multi-million dollar deal for us. Yeah, that's amazing. So when you think about your journey um, and, you know, developing your businesses and we think about like this podcast, the science of business development, you know, what would you say are the maybe the top five things that you think in terms of your businesses have been the pillars or the thing that, you know, the reasons that you have been able to, you know, grow the businesses that you have today. So for me, the biggest thing that I learned how to do is delegate. And I was working with an executive coach that taught me basically to, to make a quadrant for D's do dump delegate and do later. Um, so I just stopped doing things that weren't serving me. Right. And, and things like that, Mm. The delegation piece of those four Ds was huge. I'm not a finance guy. I hired a finance guy. I'm not a graphic designer. I hired a graphic designer. Things like that Mm -hmm. changed the game for me. And next thing you know, our graphics (laughs) were better, right? And and our our books were in order and go figure. The next one is, I I say often that perfection is the enemy of progress. But for me, I never wait for things to be perfect. I, I don't. 
I, I would much rather get a B um, than than a C because I was trying to get an A, if that makes sense. I just love to put stuff out. I can always iterate. I can always perfect and fine-tune. So I see so many people that are just waiting until things are a little better, a little bit more perfect. They never make the progress. I see mm-hmm. that on social media with people's posts and videos. I see it with their even their, their, their fundraising, right? Like anything, any activity that an executive can do, usually I see people delaying because they're just waiting for that extra document or that mm. just waiting for for a landing page to, to pop a little bit more and then and then a, a test. I mean, like right there can, there's always a next thing, a next thing, a next thing to push it off. I just love getting stuff out there for feedback. Mm-hmm. So I think being proactive, delegating. For me, another big one is optimism. Mm-hmm. Where attention goes, energy flows, right? So, so many people are looking for that bad thing to happen or, or expecting that no from a client or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, I look for small wins and, and I celebrate all of those. So, for me, that optimism has been huge. That's three of five. <laughs> for me, it's a lot law of reciprocity, law of engagement, social media. Anyone and everyone can be doing a better job there, and those that continue to do a better job continue to see the, the results that they're looking for. Well, the fifth one I could tell you, I know, is that you really do look from within, you know, you, you do, and above. you do pray and, and you listen to the spirit and, and let, you know, let that guide a lot of your decisions. And like you said, not really necessarily, not that you don't take other people's, you know, you've learned a lot from a lot of amazing people and you, you listen and you're a great listener to, but you, but you make your own decisions, you know, you well, now I've within. met amazing people like Jack, Jack Canfield because yeah. of you, right? Like yeah. it's when you start to surround yourself with these people and start to have these people pop in your life that you used to watch on the DVD, the secret, right. And all these things, it's like such affirmation. Yeah. Yeah. So much power in our thoughts. And, um, is there any closing comments that you'd like to leave with? Um, if you're just thinking about business and about your journey and about LinkedIn or Corey connects or Shadwell, anything that you'd like to, to be able to leave the listeners with? Sure. So something I've been saying a lot, and I think it sounds cliche and it can be, it can be interpreted in any way, but for me, a very simple statement is to love more. Mm. And I think if people can love social media more then you use it more. People can love their networks more, their clients more. People can love their business model more. People can love themselves more. They can love how they look more. Right? Mm. I've started to go a little bit more casual, but a little bit more, you know, intentional. And I just think that loving more, right? loving your surroundings. I love this set. I love this production company. I love your podcast. I love, right. But people feel that and people love to be part of love mm-hmm. and people, people run the other way from the opposite. So and love, love is more. a vibrate. Uh, love is the highest vibration yep. that we can. It's a frequency. Yeah. yeah. And we live in a vibratory world and everything's mm-hmm. held together by vibration. So it's a perfect love, love, love. focus. Yes. Well, I love you, Corey. I love you too, Jen. Thank you so much for being here with me. And thank you for those of you listening. This is Jen Koffel with the Science of Business Development Podcast.